Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The Real Look. Trending News. G'day. Today's Wednesday, May 24th. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm Chase Williams. And this is the news you need to know. Well, Chase, mortgage rates increased this week as the debt limit impasse between the Republican-controlled House of Representatives and President Joe Biden's White House continues to cause uncertainties within the market. In fact, the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage averaged 6.39% this week as economic cross-currents have kept rates within a 10-basis-point range over the last several weeks. What are your thoughts about this? I mean, we're hearing more and more regarding this debt ceiling piece, and each and every day it feels like it's getting further and further away. Well, my thoughts are that politicians like to wait until the last minute on these things. It's not the first time we've seen something like this. But as it pertains to rates, rates are are starting to become what I would call seasoned in the landscape of the marketplace. And a lot of this story talks about this idea that rates have been, you know, hovering in the six to seven percent range for quite some time now, Bruce, nine, 10, maybe more months, even though that continues to create somewhat of an affordability issue for some, for others, they're continuing to pursue homeownership, even given the current rates. What they're running into is a whole nother challenge, which is low inventory, right? So it'll be interesting. I don't anticipate that there's actually going to be any sort of default or issue come June 1st. That could happen. My guess is that they're likely to sort it out between now and then because of all the ramifications it would have, not just on mortgage rates, but on lots of other things. Yeah. And again, you and I aren't in the business of predictions necessarily. We like to listen to other people's and and give our opinion on them. But it is interesting, right? I mean, There are no guarantees here. And the only concern would be that if we do default, nobody really knows what will happen because it's never, ever happened before. But what we do know is it will be messy and there'll be a lot of pressure. The cost of money that the U.S. borrows is going to be more expensive Mm -hmm. and that's going to trickle all the way to the consumer in every facet of life. Although, even though, like you said, we are becoming seasoned, what we're still seeing is that we are somewhat of a mortgage rate dependent market. And in fact, Bob Brooksmith, the Mortgage Banker Association president and CEO, said in a statement that mortgage rates increased to the highest level in two months last week, which put a damper on borrower demand. So higher rates and low inventory levels continue to keep many prospective first-time home buyers on the sidelines. Purchase applications for FHA loans, which are popular with many first-time home buyers, were down 5% from the week before and 17% from a year ago. So, yeah, I agree with you, Chase. I think we are getting used to these rates. I think people are finally realizing we're not going back to sub-three rates anymore. That's not going to happen. But yet, there's still an affordability issue. Yeah, there is. There's a really great quote in here from Hannah Jones, who's actually an analyst at Realtor.com. And according to her, Rates are likely to stay in the 6 to 7% range until incoming economic data makes the economy's path forward more clear. And gosh, we have covered that ad nauseum around what is the path forward, what specifically can and is being done, and it's still pretty foggy. So I do not anticipate rates making some sort of dramatic move down until that becomes clear. 
Whether that happens in a month or 18 months, we don't really know. That's why we don't get in the business of predicting. But she also said buyer demand has been sensitive to the ebb and flow of mortgage rates, which we've seen. But near peak home prices and elevated inflation mean many would-be buyers are still waiting on the sidelines. That's that affordability issue we continue to talk about, right? Well, in other news, existing home sales declined yet again in April. And that's according to a report from the National Association of Realtors released on Thursday. After posting a surprise 14.5% monthly increase in February, existing home sales were back down again in March, a trend that continued into April, posting a 3.4% monthly decline to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of $4.28 million. And that's on a year-over-year basis. So sales are down 23% from last year. And Chase, what this is showing me, right, is the numbers that we've been talking about, the prediction that we should see somewhere between 4 and 4.2 million home sales in 2023. So what are your thoughts here? Well, I think we're seeing the effect of the two biggest challenges that we've faced in the last, let's call it, 10 to 12 months, right? One is dramatic increase in interest rates, mortgage rates. Two is persistent low inventory. (laughs) And we've talked about these things so many times, rightly so, because it's important news in what's happening in the industry. And here we see another monthly decline. What is it? 23.3% year over year decline. So from April to April of this year, and, you know, 4.28 million, gosh, we'll see if that holds, right? As long as those two factors, along with others, of course, but those two primary factors continue to persist, the low number of units is likely to continue to persist throughout this year. And who knows what we actually end up at in terms of the, the total number of units. But, you know, I think we're going to be close to that 4 million number. Your buddy, Lawrence Yun, NAR's chief economist, said home sales are bouncing back and forth but remain above recent cyclical lows. The combination of job gains, limited inventory, and fluctuating mortgage rates over the last several months have created an environment of push-pull housing demand. Yes, one of the most quotable guys in all the industry, Lawrence Yun, my buddy. The reality, Bruce, is that inventory, for example, is at 2.9 months of supply at the current sales pace. So less than three months supply, which is still not near what we would like to see. Although it's ever so slightly increasing, it's still way, way low from a month's perspective, right? We're also seeing the existing median sales price dropping very slightly, 1.7% compared to a year ago to 388800 That's the third month in a row that the year-over-year sales price declines. But remember, these declines we're experiencing are very small compared to the dramatic increases we saw for several years in a row, right? Matter of fact, my buddy Lawrence Young again said roughly half of the country is experiencing price gains. And so that is definitely a, a persistent challenge that we're having in the industry. Well, I think the median sales price, right, can be a little deceptive. And what I mean by that is if we see a drop in the number of high-end homes selling, that would drop the median price. Even though we're seeing the bottom end, there are more buyers than there are homes. As you mentioned, the number of unsold existing homes last month stood at 1.04 million. And that was actually up 7.2%. So even though we've got more inventory, we're still only 2.9 months of supply at the current sales pace, is that pace has slowed down. 
right? And that's that affordability piece. And I think we're still dealing with these people who are rate locked, yep, right? Who are sitting on the sidelines because not only are they sellers, but they're also buyers. Yeah, you said something really important there, Bruce, and you're constantly reminding us that real estate is a local business, right? So we look at a lot of these national numbers really to set the table for then having the local knowledge for anyone listening to this podcast. As an example, even though the average median price is only down slightly less than 2% nationally, it's actually down 8% in the West as an example, right? And and by the way, there's a whole bunch of different local communities in the West, of course. So you got to be familiar with what's going on in your neck of the woods. It's kind of like that average temperature of 70 degrees, right? Well, it doesn't matter to you if it's 20 where you're at. So there is some good news tucked into this story, Bruce, or maybe we'll call it a silver lining. And that is, despite some of the volatility and uncertainty in the economy, distress sales still represented just 1% of all sales in April, which is the same as in March and a year prior. So there's not a lot of distressed properties in the marketplace coming on the marketplace And I think a big part of that, Bruce, is a lot of these folks are locked in at super low interest rates and prices are still holding. So until you start to see some sort of dramatic change in either the employment of these people who own the homes or the decline in value of the homes dramatically, that is good news. And I so appreciate you sharing that real estate's a local business. Each and every one of us needs to be the local economist of choice for our clients and our database. You know, what we endeavor to do here, Chase, is share with our listeners the big picture, right? Because you have to have that big picture to get context to what's going on in your local market. So thank you for bringing that up. Surprise, surprise. NAS membership is now shrinking for the first time in years. We're finally seeing NAS latest numbers down from more than the 1.58 million members that it had at the end of 2022 is now roughly at 1.54. Down about what's that? 40,000, 50,000 realtors? Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm actually surprised it's not down more, Bruce. That was my initial thought. And I'll tell you why. We understand that the law of equilibrium says that as there's less commission dollars available in the industry, people start to get out of the industry. As there's more commission dollars available, more people get into the industry in, in essence. But we're seeing a lot of headwinds that aren't in relation to the commission dollars available, right? We're talking about the dramatic drop in units, low inventory, lots of still lots of multiple offer situations, and then, of course, interest rates. So that it feels like and even looks like there's a lot of headwinds in the industry for a realtor. However, 50000 as a percentage of the total, less than I would have thought, 0.66% down 50,000 from the end of 2022. I think that we're going to continue to see that happen. It's hard to say at what pace. And I think largely that'll be due to some of the headwinds that I just described and others. But because the average price point is holding, that's given some realtors, you know, an opportunity to hang on longer than they might have otherwise because of the commission dollars available on each sale. What's fascinating to me is we actually saw a bump up last month, right? The three months at the beginning of the year, we saw numbers decline and then boom, we had a a 10,000 agent bump in the month of April. And what we know about the law of equilibrium is the challenge with the law of equilibrium is that as commission dollars rise, so do the number of agents. As commission dollars drop, so do the number of agents. The challenge is the lag. 
right? So we see a lag always. And in fact, in 2008, when the market turned, it took until 2012 before we hit the bottom of the market in terms of the number of agents in the business. And then, oh, by the way, the market had already turned and it took until 2014 before we saw real growth. Again, I think that's really fascinating. And, you know, Chase, you and I have reported this. We're forecasting, when I say we, the industry is forecasting that this could be the third biggest volume year in the history of real estate in the United States. That doesn't make a bad market. But what it means is is that you have to get your unfair share of that. When there's very few units available per agent based on the total number of realtors and the total number of units, you can still make a great living and have a great year because of the average price point, but you are going to have to work to get your unfair share. What's interesting about the story, Bruce, is that because of some of the following membership numbers, NAR actually voted to raise the dues recently, earlier this month, as a matter of fact, and then tie future hikes in dues to inflation in an effort to minimize deficits. So I think it's interesting here that here we have our association, the National Association of Realtors, dealing with the impacts of this market in similar ways, if you will, that we've seen a lot of these companies out there, be they mortgage companies or real estate companies, because they're looking at now a deficit behind what their expense structure was versus what it's likely to be with 50,000 less members. And Lawrence Young actually predicting that NAR could lose as much as 15% in membership over the next couple of years. That would be much more dramatic than what we've seen thus far. If anybody at NAR is listening to us, I think they should actually read Shift. You know, number one, get real, get right. When you know, and, and they're forecasting this, Chase, that we could see up to a 15% drop in membership numbers, which, by the way, is where they get their revenue. Are they looking to cut their expenses by an equivalent amount? In fact, they're saying such a decline could result in a 10 to $15 million budget deficit. And that was directly from the treasurer, Greg Rabsack. He said this last week at the legislative meetings in Washington, D.C. And I I would tell you that, you know, we know this. We are having this conversation with our own people, right, with our realtors, with our real estate company owners. You've got to get your alignment between your expenses and your revenue. Yeah, I mean, and that's the first question that came to my mind, Bruce, as well. I don't see anything in here that indicates that they have a cost cutting or an expense cutting plan. And not that they don't, it's just not mentioned here in the story, but they darn sure better. Because if you're predicting a 15% reduction in membership, you're not going to make that up just with increasing dues versus getting your expenses right. And I think you couldn't be more right about that. Maybe we should send Lawrence a copy of Shift. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. Well, you know, and as an organization the size of that, it's like trying to turn an aircraft carrier. It doesn't happen quickly. It'll take a couple of years for the people to get out of the business and then a couple of years for people to get back in again. So that could be a long, drawn-out deal if they don't take care of it. Well, that's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode where we'll interview Leslie Hilbert with Experience Brokerage Network in Portland, Oregon. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week 
with a breakdown of all things real estate.